This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz. listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. 
here, everyone. Welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin in New Zealand.、Um, I'm here with Deb Hart.、Um, she's the chair of the Holocaust Center of New Zealand, and we're here today to talk about、um, the United Nations International Holocaust Remembrance Day and also the event happening、um, in Dunedin today.、Um, kia ora, Deb. Kiora, thank you so much for being here today and making time to talk to me during the busiest week of your life, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's um it's good to be talking to you, Arena. So、mm. um and hello to all your listeners.、Mm, appreciate it. Um, how is your twenty twenty three so far? Ah, it's been quite busy so far.、Mm, really quick, a, a rip roaring start, and the holiday is just fading. Mm. I think that's the same for many of us. The holiday just fades into the background. Yeah, like I don't know if we can still say Happy New Year. It's almost February. No, we can. <laughs> we no, still can. can. <laughs> yeah.、Uh, um. So, what are you busy with these days? Ah,、uh, so I do a few things. Um, and one of the things that、uh, I do is, of course, chair the Holocaust Centre of New Zealand. So,、uh, we have a um. Sorry, just turn that off.、Um, we have、uh, a very busy week because it's United Nations International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and、um, and that's tomorrow. And we have ceremonies that we host all around the country.、Uh, and for the first time、uh, ever, we are hosting a ceremony in Dunedin、uh, as well.、Um, so so that keeps me busy as well as、uh, I I have other work as well.、Mm. Um. The United Nations International Holocaust Remembrance Day.、Um, what does that mean for you? Yeah. So、um, the United Nations、uh, designated the twenty seventh of January、uh, as the day uh, that um, that we would remember the Holocaust as an international day, and it did that in two thousand and five. Um, it's not by, by coincidence that that day was chosen. It's the anniversary of the, the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau, the concentration camp where 1.1 million people were murdered,、um, a million of them Jewish,、um, but other people murdered there as well.、Um, the Roma, Sinti people,、um, those that had different political beliefs. Um, Jehovah's Witness, um, those um,、uh, who came from the gay community,、uh, so you know people with a, with different political、uh, views were also murdered. So that day is a day that has been put aside、uh, as an international day to to remember,、uh, and it's important that we do.、Um, so it's time to take pause and think about you know what it was that. That occurred, and what we can do individually、uh, and as countries to ensure that something like this can never happen again.、Mm. I really want us to talk about、um, your personal story behind why、um, the Holocaust Center is so important to you.、Um, and would you mind sharing with us your cultural background? Sure.、Um, so I'm a first generation New Zealander. Um, my both my parents、um, came to New Zealand.、Um, my mother was born in、uh, Vienna, Austria,、uh, 
and she was born at a time of enormous unrest in in Austria. And when she was just a, a child, three years old, um, the Nazis marched into Vienna. Uh, and she um, remembered well that happening and the fear that was probably transmitted to her from um, the adults who were watching this too. She remembered the um, swastikas being hung out from windows all around their apartment um, by neighbours who were meant to be their, their friends, um, welcoming the Nazis. Uh, and her father, who was Czech, um, had had experienced pogroms before, so violence against Jewish people. And he turned to the family and said, what are we waiting for? We need to get out of here. Uh, and it was my, my mother's mother, my grandmother, who said he really did save the family. Um, he packed up my mother and um, his wife, and because he was Czech, they could go to, to Czechoslovakia. They went to Prague. And in Prague, they put their papers together. Um, other members of the family, um, the my grandmother's brothers, one had already left. He had gone to um, to what was then Palestine. Um, her two brothers um, trekked by night to cross the border um, because they weren't Czech, so they couldn't. Um, they didn't have a right to be there. And my grandfather. Uh, one of those brothers had a fiance who looked a little like my grandmother, um, but she didn't have papers, so she couldn't get out. Mm. So my grandfather crossed the border back into Austria, and using my grandmother's passport, they posed as uh, man and wife, uh, and he got her out uh, as well. And so from from um, Czechoslovakia, they set about trying to find. Um, ways out and places were closing in on um, escape routes for Jews trying to get out. Um, the in the end, what they did was they they purchased tickets to go to um, to England, pretending that they were just tourists. Mm-hmm. Um, to take that trip, they had to travel to Berlin. So they what they did is that there was a church, um, a Lutheran church that was converting Jews to try and save them, to give them papers so that they would um, look like they were, they were Lutheran. My, my mother remembers kneeling in a, in a dark church and um, being, um, I suppose it was baptised. Um, and, and so they took a, um, after that, quite soon after, they took a train trip from Prague to Berlin, my mother said she was. The, they were the only civilians in the train. Uh, everyone else were military. Uh, it was very scary. Uh, and from Berlin, uh, and imagine that uh, three Jews going into the centre of Nazi Germany. Um, they took a plane to go to to uh, Croydon in England, uh, just as they were um, about to. Uh, land, there was fog and they got turned back, can you imagine? Uh, and they got turned back to Amsterdam where they spent a night and started their journey again. They arrived in Croydon, um, not coincidentally, um, on one of the last days that they would be able to 
um, have the prospect of gaining refuge. Um, not only were the Nazis catching up with them in, in Czechoslovakia, but England was was changing the um, the laws on who would be um, accepted as refugees, and they were very lucky to be accepted as refugees. Uh, and they spent um, a very long time in London. My grandfather went and, and fought. Um, my mother, um, her parents shielded her from being Jewish. She didn't know she was Jewish until after the war. And so um, uh, she was very lucky. Uh, long story um, short, her father died and they decided that they wanted to get away from Europe. Uh, and they wanted to find somewhere um, that was peaceful. Uh, and you can't come much further away from Europe than New Zealand, can you? Mm. <laughs> and so um, they came to New Zealand to make a, a new life, uh, and they did. Um, so that was that was her story. And my my grand my my father uh, also, you know, um, he had come here from England. His parents had escaped anti-Semitism um, in Europe as well. They had left, um, escaped, much like. Um, you, you know, we hear of boat people escaping from places like Syria. Um, they also got on a rickety boat and sailed in, out over the horizon uh, and ended up in England. Um, and from there, um, they came to New Zealand. Um, so I'm incredibly grateful that um, both of my parents managed to land here in New Zealand in this fantastic country. Um, and it really... Um, does inspire me um, to do what I can because I feel like I've been given so much um, and hence my work at the Holocaust Centre, uh, particularly as my mother was a founding director of the Holocaust Centre of New Zealand um, and um, so I feel like I'm carrying on some of her work um, but also because you know the Holocaust teaches us what can happen um, if we allow hate even little bits of hate to flourish. Uh, we all have a personal responsibility uh, to rail against any form of hatred, be it anti-Semitism, racism, uh, prejudice of any kind. We all have an, op an, an obligation to uh, really prevent hate from thriving because the Holocaust teaches us what happens if we don't. I There's so much emotion just hearing you share um, about the journeys, because um, it's like a story, but it's real, you know? Like, you, um, I'm sure you heard it from your parents, your um, grandparents, and um, I'm sure it's a long story, but somehow you've managed to condense it in a way. You know you know, Irina, I didn't hear it very much. Oh. You know, they didn't talk about it very much. And this is, um, you know, really uh, typical of Holocaust survivors. They didn't talk about it a lot. Mm. My grandmother, who, you know, she lost both her parents. Her, her father was beaten up by the Nazis. They had stayed behind. They didn't think that... Um, they didn't think that the Nazis would be interested in old people. Um, she, you know, her... Her, she lost, you know, all of those family that didn't escape were murdered in the Holocaust. But they didn't, they didn't talk about it. They faced forward 
and they they built new lives and they didn't really want to talk about it. In fact, my mother didn't talk about it much. She started really talking about it when my father's grave was desecrated in Makara Cemetery in Wellington. Um, there were about 100 graves that were desecrated and a prayer house was burnt to the ground. And it was after that that my mother said, there's work to be done. You know, we need to tell our stories um, and we need to we need to be talking about the Holocaust. So um, that's when she really started talking about it. Um, but until then, not so much. It's mm, really interesting because you wouldn't think about it that way. Um, is that when she founded the Holocaust Center? Um, it wasn't just it wasn't just her. What happened is that there were there was a a couple who were really incredible, a woman by the name of Hunker Pressburg, who was a Holocaust survivor, and her husband, uh, George, they were pioneers of Holocaust education in New Zealand. Uh, and they were doing a lot by themselves. Um, and um, But they were getting older. And a man by the name of Stephen Sedley approached a number of people, including my mother, saying, look, we've got to do something here. Uh, and it came at a time after the desecration of the cemetery that my mother was really um, inspired to be doing something. And, and Stephen Sedley was a Holocaust um, survivor. Um, he had um, he was from the Budapest um, ghetto, and there were a group of survivors and and uh, family members who established the Holocaust Center in two thousand and seven. Um, my mother was among them, and she became the founding director of the Holocaust Center. But if she were alive today and speaking to you, she would be at pains to point out that it was a whole group of people um, that really um, worked together and worked incredibly hard to uh, to create um, the center. So back then, what was the main idea of why we need a Holocaust Center? Mm-hmm. Um, the main idea was to educate. Um, so the idea was to, um, you know, to educate um, particularly young people about um, the Holocaust to ensure um, their stories, the stories of survivors were told, um, but also to, to use it um, as a, as a, um, a method to prevent hate happening here. And what we know about anti-Semitism is where anti-Semitism goes, other hatreds soon follow. So, you know, it's not a coincidence that the Nazis didn't just target Jews. They didn't like people who were different. Um, you know, they didn't like people who were black. They didn't like people who were disabled. They didn't like people, you know, the whole range of people. Um so that was their idea, and the Holocaust Center now has a mission to inspire and empower action against uh, anti-Semitism, discrimination, and and apathy—an important point—and apathy um, by remembering, educating, uh, and bearing witness to the Holocaust. So that is our that is our mission that really came straight out of what those founding um those founders of the holocaust center wanted to do mm. and are there sorts of like programs that you have yeah. Mm. yeah there's lots of programs that we have so we have um so we 
we basically do four things. We educate. So we have programs that um, are in schools. So we go out to schools. Schools come into our centre in Wellington. And we have online courses that schools can pick up and teach. Um, so we, you know, we do, we do that. We also have, um, you know, projects like the Children's Holocaust um, uh, Memorial, um, which helps to educate um, uh, and make real what happened to uh, the children murdered in the Holocaust. Um, we have a program that we send teachers to uh, Yad Vashem in Israel, the Holocaust uh, Memorial Museum there, to, to teach them how to teach the Holocaust. And we've had a, a cohort of teachers who have just returned this week um, from that course. Um, and we we also help um, teachers in schools when they find uh, problems, particularly of anti-Semitism, but also uh, other kinds of hatred in their schools. So standing beside them, um, we have commemorations to remember what happened to uh, the twenty seventh of February being a, a key event. Uh, we also have concerts to commemorate Kristallnacht. Uh, the Night of Broken Glass, um, so they happen in Auckland and Wellington. Um, and then another arm of what we do is to collect testimonies. You can imagine now the survivors of the Holocaust are now very elderly and, um, you know, we've lost most of them. So collecting their testimonies uh, and recording them um, and ensuring those stories is still uh, part of our work and the last thing is is about acting what do we do with all of that information to make New Zealand um, a safe and better place so it's our message to always be an upstander never be a bystander mm. you must be an upstander um, when it comes to hatred mm. so those are the things that we uh, that we do now. There's um, a lot gosh. going on. I oh, know. I feel tired just talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're the chair at the moment. Can you share with us what you do? Um, well, I'm very lucky because I work with um, a a group on the on the board that are very passionate about what we do. We're all volunteers, uh, and we have a staff um, who you know, put into uh, action all the programs that we're talking about. Uh, and we have, you know, a huge number of volunteers as well who um, help help as well. So our, our work is like any other board, actually. It's, you know, setting the direction, setting the strategy and, you know, making sure it's all uh, going well. Uh, and, you know, we do a fair amount of fundraising to, to help um, because we're not government-funded. Um, so, you know, helping our, our our team raise the funds necessary to, to keep the centre going. Mm. Um, I really want to know how this experience that, um, you know, with what you do, how this helped you and what it taught you. Um, <laughs> just, you know, what what do you think about every day when you're doing this job? Mm, that's such a great question. Nobody's mm. ever asked me that. Um, <laughs> look, it's a it's a passion project in a way. Mm. You know, it's um, it's so it's for me it's so intricately tied up with my family, um, and you know, there's um, and I carry them 
with me. I I um, particularly carry the memory of my Aunt Rosie, who was murdered at Auschwitz-Birkenau. I think of her a lot. Uh, and I sometimes whisper, I'm doing this for you, Rosie. You know, I'm not forgetting you. Um, you know, this young woman who was loaded onto a, a, you know, a cattle truck and nobody who loved her ever saw her again. So I, I think about her because it, it, you know, six million Jews murdered is a, is almost incomprehensible. Each one a tragedy. Um, and when you think about a person, um, mm. it really does bring a single home life. The yeah, a single life. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think about all of that. Um, but I also, you know, it, it's precious work. And like, you know, like work that is precious, you meet incredible people doing incredible things and inspirational people. And certainly, you know, uh, you know, I've always grown up with Holocaust survivors around me and they are incredible people. Um, but, you know, I have even more reason to to talk with them now and that that's really uh, precious um, and I look I I feel like it's um you know the work is part of my payback to New Zealand I owe New Zealand it's my responsibility to you know to to make this this a, a really great place it's it's my responsibility it's personal business um, and so, you know, this is this is part of the way that I'm doing it. Hopefully, by being a good person as well. But, um, <laughs> but you know, doing this work is um, is important um, as a some kind of compensation for what New Zealand has done for me and my family. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. It's so personal and. I'm so sure your family will be so proud to see what you're doing. It's thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for doing the work for us, you know. Mm. Thank you. Um you mentioned that there are stories from survivors. Mm. Um are there stories that you know that really stick on you to today? Yeah, the the stories that um the United Nations International Holocaust Remembrance, we, we we remember all of those who perished in the Holocaust. Um in New Zealand this year we're particularly um we're particularly remembering the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. And the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising was eighty years ago this year. Uh and it was an uprising led by young people, really young people. Um the older people actually didn't think that they were in so much danger. The young people um, really thought that there was no choice um, that they were going to they were going to perish and they needed to fight back. And those young people did. They were incredible against all the odds. And when I talk about young people, they were generally fifteen to twenty five years, really, really young. Um, and they and they. They um they took it upon themselves to face off this ferocious army, um, and they they managed to stave them off for a month. Um, they all perished, um, but they were an inspiration. They became an inspiration for other people. They they sparked other 
um, uprisings and rebellions, and they remain they remain an inspiration to this um, to this day. And I there's one there's one person in particular that epitomizes this for me, and his name was Yitzhak Katznelson, and he was a teacher. Um, he was a young man, and he was a and he was a poet. Um, and he said, um, and these are his words: "Through if be to die, we will fight. We will fight not for ourselves, but for future generations. Although we will not survive to see it, our murderers will pay for their crimes after we are gone, and our deeds will live forever." And he was absolutely right. Um, he, you know, he, I mean, that, that absolutely came true because, yes, they did die. Um, they were always going to die, actually. Um, it's the awful thing about it, these beautiful young people. Um, but they were, they were, they were going to do this and they were going to, they were going to fight back. Um, so I do think about them and I think about our, the inspiration that they are. Um, and the and they're an inspiration for young people mm. to stand up and be counted um, when when they need to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This it's such an inspiring story as a youth to hear this, you know. Um, and I'm just glad that the story is documented. Like people are aware of this story that. Um, there was a time when young people stood up for themselves and, you know, died, but um, at least they stood up for themselves. I think young people um, can and throughout history have. Mm. And, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, the youth of today. I, I don't buy into any of that nonsense. <laughs> I think young people are fantastic. And um, and I think, um, you know, you can you can see them for instance, in the work that they are doing in the environment. They are ready to stand up and they are ready to make a, a, a difference. And um, certainly the, the youth of the Warsaw Ghetto were certainly ready um, and willing to, to stand up. By the way, they also stood up in other ways. Um, they stood up in ensuring that um, they weren't going to not be Jewish. They <laughs> they would They would educate. They would... Um, you know, um, they would um, you know observe um, Jewish festivals. They would, um, you know, they would do all kinds of things to, um, you know, because they believed they had the right to do that, and they were going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were really um, just just really in- incredible, and we need to remember them. Yeah. Um. With the work you do, I'm sure that, you know, because it's so personal to you, there must be lots of emotions that come with it. Um, how do you take care of your well-being on top of <laughs> everything you do? Um, well, I'm surrounded by really good people. And I, also, I always think that um, surrounding yourself by with, you know, good people um, is a is absolutely, you know, a, a great thing to do. And I have a, a partner who tells me, you need to take a break now, um, which I think is um, 
um, important. I'm all, I'm not so great sometimes in in um, stepping away because I you know look I I I mean I have this and I have other work um, that I do as well. Mm. Um, this is not my day job. Um, so, um, but um, and I try not to, you know the the. I try not to get too, on a daily basis, too deep into the the atrocities of the Holocaust. Um, I don't think it's necessary to be doing that. I think that's a form of kind of almost like self-harm to be doing, to be, you know, just, you know, um, sort of burying yourself in, in that. It's so ghastly. And um, I know I, I, don't, um, I don't need to do that and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very careful not to do that. And, I'm, and I, look, I, the hardest thing is thinking about the children. 1.5 million children were murdered in the Holocaust. I mean, 1.5 million, it's a very big number. Um, and, um, yeah, I just, um, it's just, as a mum, it mm. just makes me very, very sad. I'm glad that you have people around you who um, make sure that you take breaks. <laughs> yeah. We all need that or a friend yeah. Stop it now. <laughs> yeah, we just need, sometimes it, when we're too much into our heads, we do need people like That's that. That's right. That's exactly right. Mm. Um, what are you hopeful for this year? Or, you know, looking into the future, is there anything you'd like to happen? Mm. Oh, there's so many things I'd like to happen. Um, I'd like us to be, uh, I'd like us all to be a bit more thoughtful. Um, to to be upstanders, not bystanders, to hate. Um, I think that's something that we can all do individually, not to let any little bar pass us by, whether it's about us or someone close to us, or it's not about it's not about us. It's about someone else. Um, to to call to call that out. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and I think, you know, that we all take, you know, if there was a greater participation in our in our in our democracy, in our country, I think that's that would be a great thing. Um so um yeah, I think those things um you know, on a on a smaller level, but it's still big for us, we're going to be creating another centre in Auckland. Um and I'm hoping that'll come to fruition this year. That's exciting. Um, that's that's a really exciting project that we've we've got on. We've just got to raise a bit of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so those are those are things that um, I really want to um, see this year. But yeah, that's a good step because then one day there'll be one in the South Island. <laughs> well, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> I mean, that would be really fantastic. Look, it's taken us. Um, since um, you know, you know, quite a long time to um, have a, a centre in Wellington, and now yeah. um, you know we're looking for one in Auckland. So let's see if we can move the dial a bit more quickly to get one in the <laughs> South Island. You're These things take up. time, but um, you know, progress. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty impatient myself. <laughs> um, 
I've got one question that I really want to ask you. Do you still do photography? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, you've done your homework. Um, <laughs> no, look, I don't. Um, um, my family um, are, of course, um, photographers. And, um, you know, the um, my my late father was a professional photographer, Ronald Wolfe. My brother, Simon Wolfe, is a professional photographer. And I grew up, you know, there's a saying, you know, growing up with a silver spoon in your mouth if you're rich. Well, we both grew up with cameras in our hands or were born with cameras in our hands. Um, and I enjoyed it when I was younger. But... Um, no, I don't. Um, I've probably got the same camera as many people, the one on my phone. Yeah. Um, my partner loves photography and he's a great photographer. Um, but my work has gone in a different direction. Um, mm. So I don't, um, <laughs> I don't really do photography yeah. at all. But it's such an important part of your career, just talking about activism and, you know, being uh, taking photos at those events. Um, so... Yeah, I just love how that's such a different part of you, but it complements your past. Yeah, well, my, the photography is really my family's story rather than mine in a way. I, look, I did mm. it when I was a, you know, a teenager. I um, I was very sick when I was a teenager, um, and my father thought that this was something that I that I would be able to do, and it's something that we did together, mm. uh, and it was it was great from that perspective, but. It was the law that really interested me. Mm. So, you know, that's, um, yeah, that's what I, I ended up um, going into, and it, and it was wonderful. Yeah. Although I haven't practiced law for many, many years. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Deb. Um, thank you for making time to talk to me today. I feel like I learned so much and um, just, yeah, just really appreciate you being here to share about um your experience and the stories that you hold within you, um, stories of your family, stories of other people. Um, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Um, it's been lovely talking with you. And my, my, my mother's story, her book is being released um, in April this year. So look out for that. It's Exciting. called Exciting. <laughs> Yay. <Yeah. laughs> um, yes, all the best for all the events you happening so. this week. Mm. Thank you. Go well. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Wanita terhebat 
Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. Annyeonghaseyo. Assalamualaikum. And kia ora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz. Didn't you hear a man is moving back to Colorado? It's 2013 and the end of my life. Freshman year's about to plummet just a little harder, but it didn't cause we kissed on that Halloween night. 
Good figure Thinking about me But there's nothing to consider If I let you in my circle You were winner Didn't know that you were cold Till you found my fire Heaven's gate just open up Here in choirs If you say something else You're a liar Cause I'm that girl That drive you crazy But you can't leave me alone Got you thinking maybe Supernatural, but you under spells or look into a crystal ball. I'm not like this other girls at all. I'm the type that girl that make you forget that you got a type. Type that make you love me when the only thing you done is like. I'm the type of girl, I'm the type of girl. I'm the type of girl, I'm the type of girl. Like a da 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 Like a da 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 Everybody type, double tap, 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 what everybody like You can check my steps, got everybody's eye And I run them laps round everybody's mind All of these girls are on my bucket shit That mean they all cap Being the best at whatever I do That's something on brand Type of girl that you wish for when you blow that candle out Type of girl that you wanna take back to your mama house Type of girl that don't ask for what she wants to take it now Type of girl who got gagging some quality of Chanel now you know that you were cold Cause you fed my fire Heaven's creatures up and up Hearing cries If you say something else You a liar Cause I'm that girl That drive you crazy But you're killing me alone Got you thinking maybe I went supernatural But you wonder spells Or look into a crystal ball I'm not like this other girls at all This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.